For Arizona Public Media, I'm Mark McLemore, and this is Arizona Spotlight. Coming up, what are Arizonans willing to do to provide funding for a better education? We'll discuss the results of a new poll. Find out why Tucson's alt-classical ensemble, Chamber Lab, is performing a century-old piece of music 840 times in a row. Visit Sun Sounds of Arizona, a Tucson nonprofit that reads for people who can't. And Tucson residents share some small stories of kindness in action. That's coming up next on Arizona Spotlight. Funding for education in Arizona is an often controversial topic. A new poll looks at what Arizonans are willing to do in order to increase funding for education across the state. And here to discuss it with me is Christopher Conover. Mark, I think a lot of people were surprised by this. The poll tested the hypothetical question, would Arizonans be willing to pay two cents per ounce tax on soda to fund education. Now, again, this is hypothetical. There's no bill in the legislature to do this. There's no citizen initiative to put this on the ballot. This poll was done by OH Predictive Insights up in Phoenix. It's a Republican-leaning polling firm, and the results were two to one in favor of the soda tax. And even Mike Noble, their pollster, was surprised by that margin. With us being in such a polarized electorate these days, it's hard to get any large group to agree on anything right now. And you know, in this question, it was shocking that 59% of likely voters were would support a tax, and, and, and less than 10% were undecided. So, I mean, if the election were held today, you know, it would pass. So he mentioned 59% were in favor of this. How does that break down among voter demographics? As you said, yes, 59% uh, are in favor, 32% were unfavorable, and 9% were undecided. Here in Pima County, it was 52-39, so again, still very strong support. Maricopa County, 58-33, an area we think of as more conservative than Pima County. But what was really surprising was the support in rural areas, 67-24, in favor of the tax. And again, Mike Noble, uh, the pollster on this, was shocked in his own words that that margin was so big in the rural areas, and he has some thoughts as to why. If I had to pontificate on what the reason would be, I would probably say the state of education, rural, I believe, uh, uh, you know, rely far more on public education and have less private or charter school options than, let's say, in the main cities. The last time you and I spoke, Christopher, it was in response to the results of the citywide election. And there we saw that although there may be places in the infrastructure that have been specified as needing improvements, voters are reluctant to take on new taxes and to pay for these things at this time. Does this poll indicate that voters might be more likely to support a tax if it is aimed towards a very specific goal? Predicting voters is always hard. If we just look back, for example, at the taxes that were in this city election earlier this month in November, one for quality preschool education failed, 
one to help pay off uh, some infrastructure problems at the zoo passed. The one for the zoo was very narrow and very specific. The one for the preschool was a little wider, less specific. So it's interesting to look at what voters thought about those. And that zoo one barely passed. It was very close. In the past, Arizona voters as a whole have been willing to pass some education taxes, but they're always very narrow and very specific and often have a a limited time on them. It's when they get longer in length and less specific that I think voters have more of a problem. You can find the results of this poll regarding a soda tax and education funding on our website at news.azpm.org. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. On the first Saturday in December, a local music ensemble is attempting an extraordinary feat to raise money for the American Civil Liberties Union. Next, musician Chris Black reveals how he intends to perform a single piece of music 840 times in a row, and why. French composer Eric Satie wrote this piece of music called Vexations, which is only a little over a minute long. but. Being Satie, he wrote a note at the top of the page suggesting that he wants it to be played 840 times in a row. So that's exactly what we're going to do. Chris Black. I'm the creative director of Chamber Lab, an alt-classical concert series here in Tucson that puts uh, strange music in strange places from strange people. And this next concert that we have coming up is probably quite our most ambitious yet. It's a marathon 16-hour performance, which we're doing for the ACLU of Arizona. tell you there's no tune to it after we play it 840 times in a row i don't think any of us are going to be humming this thing i can't remember who it was somebody in i think it was like 2006 a pianist attempted to play the whole thing by himself and after 10 hours he stood up and and left and he said i can't do it anymore he he said he saw demons peeking at him from the musical notes on the page all of these harmonies up here except for just one but all of them are what they call tritones. They're, f- they're flat fifths. Every single one of them, except for one, is a tritone. And this is an interval in music that was called the Devil's Interval. In fact, it was banned by the church for a while. So Sati chose to harmonize his theme almost exclusively with that interval. And then the second time through, he turns it upside down, which is the same Devil's Interval again. <laughs> So we don't really know what was going on. It's also 52 beats long, broken up into four 13-beat phrases or themes. So it's like a deck of cards, 52 cards, four suites of 13 cards each. There's a lot going on in this tiny little piece. There is this deep simplicity in his music. Uh, it's it's all real, mostly very simple to play, but you have to be in this deep, sati, empty frame of mind to really capture it. And there, there's a number of his pieces, the Gymnopedia and the, the Nocian especially, 
that have become very popular through movies. They've appeared in a lot of movies. To me, the defining thing about Sati is his just endlessly deep, quiet simplicity, and also sometimes his ability to make music that isn't uh, music at all, almost. He, he specialized in something he called furniture music, music that he didn't want you to listen to. He just wanted it to sort of be in the room. We would call it Muzak today, maybe. So he was a pioneer in writing music that you were not supposed to pay any attention to. Vexations was entirely lost. He never had it performed. It was lost until I think 1949 or something like that. And then it wasn't until 1963 that it was given its full 840 repetitions performance. John Cage uh, rounded up a group of 12 pianists and they all took turns and uh, sat and played it in 1963. With Satie, from what I know about him, he was Absolutely. I mean, he was not in step with anything that was going on in Paris at the time. He was very definitely off in his own world. He always wrote little notes to the performer in the music that were very uh, cryptic, like carry it away or bury it deeper and things like that. What he said exactly was this. In order to play the theme 840 times in succession, it would be advisable to prepare oneself beforehand and in the deepest silence by serious immobilities. And I think he's probably right, because, it, again, it takes about 16 hours to play. Well, this is definitely a group effort, and it is open to all musicians. Any musician who wants to take a chair on any instrument, sit down and play this thing as many times as they possibly can, you are welcome to do so. You can sign up at the website at vexathon.com. It works like a charity walkathon. So instead of people pledging maybe a dollar a mile or 50 cents a mile that you walk, people can pledge maybe a quarter per repetition per how many times you're able to play it. And that's the way that we hope to raise money for the ACLU. Andrew Brown conducted the interview with Chris Black, Artistic Director of Chamber Lab. Musicians interested in participating can sign up at vexathon.com. The Saturday, December 2nd marathon begins at 8 a.m. at Hotel Congress, then migrates to Maynard's Market at 10 p.m. for the home stretch. The performance is expected to conclude around midnight. A unique nonprofit has been offering a service to thousands of residents in southern Arizona for more than three decades. Sun Sounds of Arizona provides 24-hour radio and web access to print media for those who can't read for themselves. I visited Sun Sounds Tucson studio to find out how the staff and volunteers get the word out. This is Sun Sounds of Arizona in Tucson, reading to make a difference for you. I'm Mitzi Theron, the station manager of the Tucson affiliate. And what was your initial inspiration for getting involved in this endeavor? I was actually going to the Blind School Savvy 
and teaching computers to other people that were visually impaired. And I heard about the job there, so I just applied. To be honest with you, I didn't know anything about it. I was just looking for a job. How has the demand for your service changed over the years? A lot of people, you know, of course, military, eye problems, everything. It's just there's more and more visually impaired people out there. We hear that all the time. We have four stations in Arizona. And what Tucson does is we do the Arizona Daily Star. And then, like, maybe Phoenix does the Republic. And then we do our local grocery ads, our department store ads, sales, all our programming that's in just Tucson. We do the local stuff. Hello, and welcome to the Green Valley News Show. We have every Monday and Wednesday mornings at 9.30. My name is Bill, volunteer reader here at Sun Sounds. And let's see what we have in today's Green Valley News. I, I just love working with the volunteers. They're wonderful. They, they never come in really very grumpy. <laughs> you know, they like what they're doing. They're here. They want to help us. They want to read. And that's another important part of my job that I really love. You know, of course, I don't like writing the grants. Fundraising's hard, all that. But it's the volunteers that are so fun to work with. Murray Everson has been the volunteer coordinator at SunSounds for 14 years. To begin with, the users are folks with uh, a disability that prevents them from being able to read the printed word. It could be a visual impairment, it could be a physical impairment of some sort, where they can't hold a newspaper. The point is, is they're no longer able to read print. So we give something to them that they can't normally get that maybe they used to be able to get. Those are, that's just some of our services. We also read on Wednesdays the uh, grocery ads for one hour between noon and one. We read uh, the Green Valley News and Saharita Sun twice weekly. We have some other special shows that we read live, like Super Savers, we call it, coupons. And we start out with the drugstores. CVS, they have a lot of deals. And on the very front page... Where do you find people who are willing to dedicate their time to doing this kind of reading? Um, Mostly, it's people that have an interest in reading, they might have somebody in their family that has a disability, that they know us, of us that way. Um, the good news is, is we have hundreds of volunteers statewide. And a lot of them have professional backgrounds, as I said. A lot of them have uh, folks that they know that have disabilities. We're very blessed to have um, volunteers that have been with us for years and years. People that get into doing this, they really enjoy it. They really like doing it. And very often we have people that stay 10, 15, 20, even 25 years with us. Jeff Grant is now Director of Operations. He started as a volunteer for a simple reason. So I like reading aloud. (laughs) And so um, someone told me about this organization, and I came in and did an audition, and uh, I managed to pass with great generosity from the people who gave me. No, I was very nervous. I think someone saw something in me that uh, would later grow. Um, I'm responsible for getting us on the air and making sure we stay on the air. Is SunSounds able to acquire the equipment that it needs on a regular basis, or do you have to sometimes be a little bit more creative when you need to replace a broken part or something? Uh, Definitely be a little creative, uh, or more than a little creative. 
Uh, listeners, we're going to read comics to you for five minutes or so. Murray and I are going to take turns. And I'm going to start with Sally Forth. So uh, we see that the husband... My name Sally's is Joe Francis Collymore. And uh, one day I was walking down to the chiropractor and I saw this the door and I thought, I need to know what's going on in there. So I did. And the first day I made a recording. <laughs> they put you right to work. Yeah, put me right to work. What was the first recording you made? I read a poem because I don't think he really had anything for me to do. He just didn't want me to get away. <laughs> so I read the poem, and uh, I decided I was going to come back, which I've been doing. And I just really enjoy it. I like working with everybody in the office. There's a camaraderie, and a lot of understanding and compassion goes on around here. Again, I spoke with station manager Mitzi Theron. You mentioned that veterans returning who may have had their sight damaged, that they find the advantages of using sun sounds. But is a newer generation, is a younger generation, I should say, Mm -hmm. taking advantage of this service? Well, they are, but it's almost like in a whole different way. What we've actually done is younger people, of course, they don't like a radio, you know, and to sit and listen to a radio. So we stream on the computer. You can get us on an MP3 three player you can get us on iPods you can get us on all that now and that's how the younger people listen to us what's an example of the kind of programming that you might offer to a younger listener we have books novels then we have um, like teen magazine we read from that (laughs) everybody likes this I think we read articles from Playboy and, and everybody asks, do you describe the pictures? And we say, no, sorry, <laughs> we don't. But, of course, you're going to get a little bit younger people listening to that. Um, just the, the stories that any, any age would enjoy. When you talk to someone who may be dealing with a new visual impairment or physical impairment that makes sun sounds a, a good uh, match for them, do you find that they're surprised to know that you're here? Oh, yeah. I go on TV and somebody will be watching and they have a blind mother. And they had no idea we existed whatsoever. So that's, you know, that's why we do like I'm doing right now, get the word out. Because it happened with me. When my vision went, no one in my family was visually impaired. So I was pretty much devastated. They did let me know I was going to go blind. I didn't really tend to do anything. I was just in shock. Uh, And so there was my mom trying to do everything she could to figure out well, what can I do to help her some? What, what's out there for her? I get calls like that constantly. The other thing is Sun Sounds is not just for the visually impaired. And that's what we're really trying to push right now, too. If, let's say, you have dyslexia, let's say you have arthritis, so you don't hold things well, if there's any disability out there where you can't read printed material good, doesn't mean you have to be blind and you can't read it at all. If it's hard for you, at any reason, then you can get the service for free. Every time you tune into Sun Sounds, you know we'll be here reading for you. Sun Sounds has been on the air in Tucson every day for 30 years now. Thanks to the crew at Sun Sounds Radio for letting us backstage. Since that story was recorded, Mitzi Theron has retired, and Murray Everson was appointed as the new director. You can listen to their programming and find out more about their service at sunsounds.org.
Are random acts of kindness on the endangered list? Opinions on the topic may vary, but when asked, most people have a story to tell. Shortly before it closed for a year-long renovation, I visited the Flowing Wells Library in northwest Tucson to talk with people about witnessing, or being part of, acts of kindness in our community. This is what they had to say. Well, my name is Elizabeth, and one act of kindness we recently had was my daughter's birthday, her seventh birthday, and it was wonderful because we made a delicious strawberry cake with chocolate frosting and lots of colored sprinkles all over it. And she picked out the candle, it was a rainbow number seven. Uh, we decorated the place with, you know, cheapo cray paper and balloons, one dollar balloon from the family dollar. But um, that's what we had for an act of kindness. The whole family came and everybody brought a little gift and it was just great. And we had the cheap pizza, five dollar pizza. <laughs> to help the dinner, sure. that was it. <laughs> My name's Kathleen. When I first moved here five years ago from Florida, I was homeless with my kids. I had two kids at the time and my husband, and we slept on a shack floor. And then we moved from my mother-in-law's floor to my sister-in-law's floor, and she already had four kids and herself. So we're sleeping on their floor, and I'm a veteran. So I contacted the Red Cross and they help us to get an apartment and they give us beds for the kids. So that was an act of kindness that I was super grateful for because I probably would have been homeless for longer or like anything can happen to us. Did that help you get back on your feet to get that boost from the Red Cross? Yes. I would never know that you had that experience. Yeah. I never want to be homeless again. It was terrible. It was really, really bad. Yeah. Well, and also I want to say thank you for your service. Oh, my name's Charles. Can you tell us something about like how long you've been in Tucson? Or what I've you been do? in Tucson my whole life. About four days ago, right outside this very library, there's a young boy apparently suspended from school or something. And uh, I was just sitting here waiting for the library to open so I could do job searches. And this, this guy that's around here, he doesn't have a place to live. He's just kind of on the streets, rode up on a bicycle like me, waiting for the library to open. And just walked up to this kid, gave him information on a, an at-home school program online, came in the library when it opened, helped him register for it, uh, gave him all the information, he pulled out his free phone and made the contacts, set him up with the teachers, and then went outside and brought his bicycle in and gave the kid his bicycle, gave him a chain to lock it up on, and then just left. The kid's like maybe 13 years old. How did it make you feel to see that? Well, it's not something I see every day. I see a, I see a lot of negativity in this world, and that, that's just an amazing thing. The guy himself has almost nothing but what's on his back and just went out of his way to help a kid. So it's definitely uplifting. My name is Courtney. I'm originally from New Jersey. I've been out here for about three years, um, and it's very different than back east. <laughs> Tell me about an act of kindness that you've seen or been a part of. Uh, maybe about two weeks ago, I was leaving the Circle K gas station and a lady's car stalled in the middle of the road. And um, I was looking and I didn't see anybody stopping and she was trying to push the car herself. So I went out there with the other woman and helped her push her car all the way out of the intersection, all the way into the gas station. 
And um, finally, a, a gentleman in a car stopped to finish helping, but I didn't even think about the fact that I was wearing flip-flops or the fact that I'm a girl and I'm not that strong. Um, I went out and helped her push her car into the gas station. Um, she would have been stuck in the middle without that. So. And how did it make you feel to help? I was, it, it felt good. I believe in um, doing good deeds for people, you know, for no reason. Um, God tells us that we're supposed to help others, so that's what I do. And um, I can't always, but what I can, I do. I am Angulo, and I am a caregiver. So this is the best job to uh, show kindness to other people. So we have a neighbor, um, a lady. She's elderly, very sick, and doesn't have daughters. So we always looking for her and helping with doctor's appointment rights, tours. Do you think that people spend enough time thinking about being kind? Everybody has a good thing to do for somebody else. It's just sometimes we not feel like uh, we want to be in touch with anybody else, but we can change and be better people, especially right now. Our war, need, or praise, and all, or love, or everything to be together. And this is a very special moment for us. So I'm very happy to be here in Arizona desert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my name is Madeline. I'm 18 years old. What is something that you can think of that relates to kindness that you'd like to share? Just the difficulty to notice it in modern society, just because we tend to focus on ourselves so much, um, and in that we seem to forget the things that people do for others. Um, I was thinking about a, a David Foster Wallace speech he gave at a college called uh, This Is Water, in which he really details how the importance of like a liberal arts education is mostly that you're able to look outside of the situation around you and really see kindness for what it is and being able to distance yourself from like the monotony of daily life and just experience reality for what it is. You just heard the voices of some visitors at the Flowing Wells branch of the Pima County Public Library. Listen for more stories about kindness, large... You just heard the voices of some visitors at the Flowing Wells branch of the Pima County Public Library. Listen for more stories about acts of kindness, large and small, in the coming weeks. And you can share your stories on the Arizona Spotlight page at azpm.org. Thank you for listening to Arizona Spotlight. You can find our podcasts on iTunes and through the phone app NPR One. This show originates from the AZPM Radio Studios. The music is by Calexico. The production engineer is Jim Blackwood. Our executive producer is Peter Michaels. I'm producer and host Mark McLemore. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.